0: Hey everyone, welcome to today's podcast. We're talking about how to deal with weight loss saboteurs. They're going to be there and a lot of times they don't mean to do it, but it's going to happen anyways. So there's a couple steps and a couple ways to approach this and you want to kind of pick and choose which ones will work best for you. Um, But before I tell you what the specific kind of techniques to use about it are, I just want to frame it a little bit so that you go into this with a bit more empathy. I think it's easy to get triggered and get upset. Excuse me. Um, when people are sabotaging you and you're trying to do all this hard work to <clears throat> excuse me, make the right choices, uh, but they're, they're kind of sabotaging you by by having foods around you, offering foods when you're trying to be good. So the first thing to understand is that you want to have empathy for them because when you start making healthier choices, if you start getting results, it's kind of like you're holding a mirror up to them. Not, not intentionally, you're doing this for you. Uh, but a lot of times people around you initially are going to start to kind of question where they're at. And so it kind of put some pressure on them that they didn't really put on themselves. So, you know, you've experienced this, you've had friends or family that start eating healthier, losing weight, and you know how it feels. And so I think we want to initially start with that framing that we want to have some compassion and empathy for the people that are trying to sabotage us. Cause I'm telling you, it makes it better because when you go into it with empathy, you're in a more calm, relaxed state where you can see the bigger picture and then put into effect the big strategy Uh, that I want to share with you. So when you have saboteurs, it can be challenging, but listen, we all got challenges, okay? So you need to identify your biggest weight loss challenges and it may be people sabotaging. You may live in an environment where people are bringing tempting foods in, okay? You have to acknowledge that that's one of your biggest challenges and then you go to work on dealing with it. And I will let you know that it is almost never a matter of them sabotaging you as much as it is that you are not motivated enough. And I know that hurts a little bit, but listen, you've got to take responsibility for this. If anything uh, is true about weight loss, it's that you are 100% responsible for what you're putting into your mouth and how you're living. And so, yes, you may have challenges, you may have temptations, you may have people t- you know, kind of trying to sabotage you, but it still comes back to you. It's up to you. This is your decision. And so if you are around people trying to sabotage you, it just means that you need to focus even more on your motivation, meaning you need to be absolutely crystal clear about why you want to make this happen. You need to have a white hot motivation of why you want to do this. And I will let you know that just wanting to look better is usually not enough. So. If you don't feel that motivation, then it's just a signal that you need to go back to the drawing board with your motivation and get yourself absolutely fixated and focused and obsessed with the goal that you want to achieve. Now, I will tell you that one of the ways to create this deeper motivation is to go beyond just looking better. So you wanna take your weight loss, wrap it in personal development, make this a process of being the best version of you possible. What's most important to you in your life? How is that going to improve when you not only lose weight and look better, but more importantly, when you're more clear headed, when you have more energy, when you're living healthier, um, when you have a lighter, stronger, more mobile body? Right. When all of these things are happening and you step into this new reality for yourself, how are the most important things in your life going to improve? And this is how we want to start to reframe the process, not just about losing weight and looking better. We need to need to make this more meaningful. And when you hit the right meaning, right, when this really, really matters, it won't matter to you anymore what people are trying to do, because you will be grounded in yourself and your own motivation to get the results that you want. So I know this isn't what you wanna hear necessarily because again, I'm putting it all on you, but it's all on you anyways. Let's not bullshit ourselves, right? It's it's all on you, regardless if you got someone sabotaging you or not. We live in an environment that's constantly trying to sabotage us, constantly. Whether you live with that person or not or whether you're around that person or not, the whole environment's trying to sabotage you. So you gotta take this as a challenge, okay? Don't take it as they got one up on you and they're ruining your your you know diet never use that language it makes you sound and feel powerless you're ultimately always in control and i will let you know that one of the greatest feelings in the world is if you do have someone trying to sabotage you when you absolutely stand firm and you get the results that you want in spite of it it's one of the most exciting feelings in the world simply because it really reinforces just how powerful you are so i hope this helps you out uh if anyone has any questions feel free to ask them you can be about anything. Anything weight loss related, feel free to ask. What's up, Karen? How's it going? I don't know if I missed any questions. If I did, I'm going to get them now. Um, Lorena, how you doing? Lorena, I, I looked at your email. Uh, there, I don't know what to do now because there was one email that you'd sent that I think you wanted to use, but it you had used it before and then there was a spam thing. You must have hit a spam button maybe by accident, but now it's in that system like forever. So I don't know... You know, shoot me an email again with the email that you want to use and I can try and go to my email service and get that greenlit. But uh, if you have another email, that would probably be the best solution. Anyways. What's up, Don? Hi, Jim. I'll eat my Valentine's cupcakes this year with zero guilt. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. It's it's ironic. It's a weird kind of trick of the mind in a little bit, in in a way that one way to kind of motivate yourself to eat better and lose weight and take control of it is... Is ironically like to focus on getting more pleasure out of food. Right? Because I'm a big believer that the the most pleasure you can get out of eating your favorite food is to eat it at your goal weight when you're in control of your eating behaviors, your emotions, your lifestyle. So yeah, like again, dieters always think I'm never gonna be able to eat ice cream, I'm never gonna eat a cupcake again. You know, you do this all or nothing thing and you say, I don't wanna live that way. What's the point of losing weight if I can't even cupcake on Valentine's Day? Right? If that matters to you. And so I, I don't agree with that way of going about it and with program yourself. Then, in a weird way, we hold the most pleasurable food there is for you to eat. As, as that's the top of the mountain. That's what we're focusing on. The thing that allows me to be clean for five days of my eating is um, even right here I'm on Tuesday, I'm already thinking about when i eat this weekend. Most of the pleasure you get out of food, by the way, is about the anticipation of it. You have more wiring in your brain for the anticipation of pleasure than the experience of pleasure. Again, why? Because we evolved in a food-scarce environment where it was difficult to get the food. So you needed more motivation to get the food than to eat it once it's in front of you. So uh, anyways, that's great, Don. I'm really happy to hear that. Yeah, so enjoy that. Enjoy that cupcake. Enjoy your Valentine's Day. Uh, So yeah, if anyone has any questions, feel free to ask them. As I get that fat loss should be marathon. Lorena says, "I get the fat loss should be a marathon, not a sprint." But what's your thought for a person who have health uh, issues because of obese? Yeah, um, no, I get that, Lorena. But again, the same the same problem exists. And whether if you're obese, whether you lose the weight in three months, six months, or a year is gonna make very little difference for most people. Okay, and so it, it's not you know fat loss. I like to say like like. Weight mastery is a marathon, ironically. like, Because cause the fat loss, it is a marathon, though. It, it takes longer than you think most of the time. Um, so when you orient yourself to a longer time frame, it is really helpful. Um, but yeah, if you've got, if you got health issues, I mean, you can only lose the weight so quick. So, you know, again, it's just – it's a trick of the mind. You know, you want to just fix all the health issues. But how are you going to do that? Go on keto and do that for three months and then what? You know, so – I think the other piece is that you know things improve as well. You, you know again as dieters we tend to think in point A and point B where we start where we finish but along the journey right let's just say between point A and point B 25% of the way there you start improving health numbers start getting better 50% of the way health numbers start getting better so you know we, we don't want to just look at the the point A and point B as just Oh, now, now I'm unhealthy. Now I'm obese and unhealthy. And now I'm here and I'm, I'm at my goal weight and I'm healthy. You know, it's a spectrum. It's a, it's a, again, there's white, black, and there's a gray in between, varying shades of it. So it's important to keep that in mind because if you think that you don't get the health benefits until you lose all the weight, that's going to be, that's a very destructive thought. This is a great, you know, again, we, you all, all of us have all these beliefs in our head about weight all kinds of beliefs about weight, our health, food, exercise, lifespan, all of this stuff. And again, that's another piece of the mindset. I don't really talk a lot about this, but um, throughout the Program Yourself Thin uh, course, these are the things you start identifying. That's why I always say awareness precedes change because we're all walking around with these beliefs that we're not questioning. Again, beliefs are very interesting because part of the nature of them is that they they just sit back there not being noticed. And that's where they get a lot of their power from. So it's such a powerful process to start questioning the beliefs that you have. And you're going to find a lot of them are total bullshit. <laughs> and just questioning them just blows them up. And then some of them you have to spend a little more time with. But uh, again, it is the beliefs that we're holding that are driving so much of our behaviors and ultimately the weight and the, and the health that we get. Um, Deanna says, I really liked how you said most people lose less than they think in a month, but more than they think in a year. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, That's so true. And again, that's the dieting thing. The dieting that we've all been exposed to literally our entire lives at this point. Um, Literally, we were born into an environment of of overwhelming food uh, and a diet mindset. It's unavoidable. And so, yeah, the diets are always fixating us on short term weight loss. Every single diet. I literally have never seen an alternative to that. And they do that. Again, It's we have cognitive biases we're born with, and the big one is future discounting. We're more interested in right now than the future because, again, we lived in a... Well, it's always like this. We have a perception it's not like this, but it was a lot more up in the air for millions of years, right? So what was going on now was more important than what might be going on in two years, right? We weren't thinking that way in the natural world. So we have a bias where... Again, the future discounting is if I say I'll give you a hundred bucks now or 200 bucks in three years, right? You'll probably take the hundred bucks now because I'll just take it out now. Thank you. (laughs) I don't know where I'm going to be in three years. So the same thing comes into play with the food and with the weight. So the weight loss, the diet companies know that you have this. We all have it and we're all impatient. And so they're always, always selling the fast weight loss because that's what's most exciting to you. So you've got to put that to the side. And you have to use your prefrontal cortex, the newest part of your brain, which is the logical, rational part of your brain. Thanks, Don. And you gotta say, yes, I know I want instant results, but that way has not served me. My fixation on instant results has caused me to be stuck at the same way for 30 years. And so, again, I always relate this to like compound interest. Uh, if you ever look at compound interest, it's a very similar thing, that the idea of compound interest at first is kind of like, wow, oh, geez, that's nothing. I'd rather just spend this money now and buy something cool, or do, get get some big return now. But compound interest over time is, as Einstein said, one of the most powerful forces in the in the universe. So it's the same thing here. Yes, emotionally we're really tapped into and excited by fast weight loss, and slow weight loss seems very just kind of like ugh, it's discouraging, boring, frustrating. It's, it, there's no emotional reaction to it. But logically, you have to override yourself. And you do this all the time, folks, right? (laughs) I mean, how many days do you wake up and you'd rather just lay in bed and hang out all day than go to work? But what do you do? You override your automatic emotional response. You say, no, I want to go to work. And you think about, you know, all the consequences. And, And this goes on and on. I mean, a lot of times you like to go to the mall and go on a shopping spree, right? But you override that emotional desire with your logical mind. If you're in a relationship, you may want to get with someone, you know, in the short term, but you override that, you know, with your logical mind, think of the big picture. So, I mean, it's thing after thing after thing that you do this with, but food, you have been very, very conditioned to just give into it right now. Okay. And so, you know, that's part of programming yourself then is programming yourself to have different thoughts, ideas, beliefs that are underpinning your ultimate success. And the diet industry is always putting beliefs in there that really sabotage you. They're the biggest saboteur of all. We were talking. We started this call with people trying to sabotage you. The biggest saboteurs of all are the diet industry, followed right by the food companies. And they're one and the same anyways. I will say it because I say it every day. Um, all the big diets you're referencing on how to lose weight are all owned by the food companies. Um, weight Watchers was owned by Heinz. Jenny Craig was owned by Nestle. Uh, Atkins Food Products is owned by the same company that owns Ac- uh, Annie's Pretzels and Cinnabon. Uh, the company owns SlimFast owned by the same company uh, that owns Ben and Jerry's ice cream, you know? So it's it's a a crazy world out there, you know? But they obviously, they're not going to push some plan that's going to make you consume less of their food. I think we can all agree with that. We all understand corporations exist to make a profit, and they're obsessive on their profits. And so they would never, I always joke, they're never going to buy program yourself then and push that out to the world, guaranteed. (laughs) Because the second they did, their, their profits would instantly start going down. Because everyone in program self then kind of naturally starts moving away from those foods. So you'll never see it. They'll just keep pushing the diets, which are all based around one thing, right? Every diet is one thing. Stop eating carbs, uh, eat 1,200 calories, count your points. You know, it's always one thing. It's a tactic. And you need much more than a tactic to master your weight. You need a comprehensive, holistic plan, you know? <laughs> so anyways... Um, uh, what's Lorena what say I have a very little one not something big but I feel a little pressure because of this like hurry yeah no I get it I get it um, we all feel pressures to lose weight quick like all of a sudden we make it the most important thing in the world and then we get really impatient with it but you have got to learn to manage the impatience you have to you know because if you're if you get too impatient it's it's the, just such a big saboteur of it all you know what's up Marcy how's it going I don't miss any questions here Um, Jody says, hi, Jim, did you get snow? We did not get snow, (laughs) but I don't care. I, I wanted snow anyways. I like getting snow, but, um, I have, I have kids in school and it's like, they, sometimes they cancel school. They cancel school everywhere. And then it's like, there literally is not a flake of snow around me. And they were the other school in town. They delayed it two hours, but they didn't cancel school at least. So that was good. Um, so anyways, yeah, not, not a flake of snow. Um, thoughts on the Mediterranean diet? Oh, I love it. I think the Mediterranean diet's wonderful. Uh, again, my problem is really like a diet. And so the issue I have with a, a Mediterranean diet is that if you go into it like a diet, you're probably not going to succeed because you do the all or nothing thing. Even with a great diet like the Mediterranean diet, um, you will change everything all at once for a couple days or a couple of weeks, and then you'll go back to what you always do. So we don't want to just change everything all at once because it just has a really low likelihood of lasting. And so instead, we want to be more strategic. And with the Mediterranean diet, I think the way to be strategic with that is you just start to systematically start to bring more fruits, vegetables um, into your diet. You know, whole grains, whole foods, um, limited you know fish proteins and whatever kind of proteins uh, that you're bringing in, animal proteins. And so again, it's it's about it's the transition. It's again you, you know this is what I'm saying like with the diet mentality like a weird cold thing so if I sound a little weird today I, I'm on the the cusp of a sore throat but I think I've, I've I think I've beat it back I think uh, but yeah so so the, I like the Mediterranean diet if we talk about diet as like a way of pe- that people eat I don't like diets really in any form because it usually implies some drastic 100% all or nothing change in a day and that just has such a low likelihood of working out so yeah as a as a as a way to eat, I think Mediterranean diet is probably at the top of the charts. I, I think that's the way that that has been proven without question um, to be the healthiest diet. So, um, and I, I think there's not very much debate about that. <laughs> you'll see it, you'll see all sorts of stuff online because it's online, right? People can. I always joke about this, but we live in the information age, right? Which I think we all assumed before the information age hit. We always assumed it was going to be like, oh, it's going to be. We're going to know what's right and wrong. We're going to know. We're going to know. Um, But I think what happened is there's just so much information you can believe whatever you want. And so, you know, there's people out there saying you should just eat meat, you know, that you shouldn't eat any carbs. Uh, You know, I don't think there's much um, data backing that up. You know, there might be short-term data that if you're really in bad shape and you start doing that and you're consuming less calories, you start losing weight and you get healthier. But it's, you know, no one ever talks about the long-term effect of these things. And Mediterranean diet, you can study the long-term effect of it. It's it's you know what I mean the generations have been living that way and they're a very healthy population so I think that there that, that makes a lot of sense so I certainly that that's that's a description of my diet I would say it's Mediterranean diet based um, I'm also a pescatarian you know so I, I don't eat land animal um, which I don't have a problem with with eating animals necessarily I do a little bit like it's a, it's a little bit um, you know that. It is a bit animal stuff, so I don't get into that, and I don't I don't want to preach to you guys about diets and stuff. But, uh, but what I do I do appreciate, and I'm really glad I did it, is becoming basically vegetarian, pescatarian. Is that I really cut out a lot of the factory farming, and I think the quality of what they're giving to you is very low quality compared to what it was. I'm just reading this book called The Dorito Effect. It is fascinating, and they were talking about even chickens. Okay, and back like a hundred years ago, they had a giant national um, competition, that who could make the fastest growing chicken? And so long story short, what all, all the food basically, but especially the livestock, um, it's been optimized for over a hundred years now for economic concerns, which chickens grow the fastest, okay? Because it's all about, you know, birth to processing. And so they've been selecting the fastest growing chickens, not the tastiest ones. And on top of that again another thing that factors into flavoring is how old the animal is and so the younger the animal the blander the meat okay that's why veal is a very bland meat it's very soft and tender but it's also very bland and so you know you're getting a much less flavorful meat than you used to because again another factor of what makes f- meat flavorful is what the animals eat and again animals in the natural world are eating lots and lots of different things they're basically nutrient aggregators in the in the out in the wild but now they're eating, you know, very, um, they're eating diets that are very, um, homogenized and really just built to put weight on them as fast as possible. So anyways, that got off on a tangent there, but I think that that, that is something that supported me because I really have built my, my diet around, uh, fruits, vegetables, whole grains, beans. And I think that you can't go wrong. If you do that, I think you're you're going to have a much easier time mastering your weight. You could certainly master your weight eating meat as well. Um, I just think, and I remember making that decision when I decided to be a vegetarian, what, 20, 20, 25 years ago, part of my decision was that if I stop eating meat, that's like 50, 60% of the most unhealthy things I eat have meat in them. You know what I mean? Like I've eaten like meatball grinders for lunch. Uh, You know, not that you can't eat eggplant Parmesan grinder, but it's like back then there wasn't like, like now it's different things. You can get all non-meat replacements, you know? And I'm glad I don't eat that either. So when I started becoming vegetarian, it was like, you're either eating meat and a lot of like, you know, it was more processing, but a lot of calorie stuff for me anyways. In a, as I started eating vegetarian back then, there wasn't a lot of replacement stuff. So I really started to eat more healthy and natural foods, you know, and now you can be a vegetarian and be just as unhealthy because <laughs> you can eat a lot of foods that you know, you're not eating fruits, vegetables, you know, greens and beans. You're eating a lot of processed stuff, but it's just ended up in it. So anyways, I again, I don't go into that too much because I, I don't want to program yourself. Then what I look to do here is I like to be diet agnostic. I, I help people with any diet they want to do because up to, it's up to you to figure out what diet works best for you. And so for me, um, you know, the pescatarian di- diet works best, but it may not be that way for you. So I'm not out here telling you which diet's best because it depends on you. And I see, uh, Deanna says, my friend is convinced the caveman diet is the only right one. You know, first of all, they don't even know how fucking cavemen eat. You know, I love, you know what I love is the paleo diet, right, which was supposed to be, you know, basically meat. And it turns out that uh, the paleo, paleo, I mean, paleo people were, were eating 130 grams of fiber a day. You know, it's just like, don't, oh, you eat like a caveman. <laughs> you know what I mean? Eat like a caveman. First of all, if you eat like caveman you're eating bugs, you're, you know what I mean? You go watch alone. If you want to know how people are eating, watch that show alone. But I don't blame anyone. Cause I mean, again, as I said, the information age is just constantly, constantly. Um, it's just, it's just crazy. It's just crazy. Um. Anyways, um. Lila says, did you buy your followers? You have very low views, but have many followers and nobody's in this live. Um, I did not. I've never bought followers. I would never in a million years buy followers on TikTok. Uh, I would much rather spend that money some other way. Um, but, but, you know, views, you, I will tell you, I mean, not give a shit. No one cares about views on TikTok. <laughs> anyways, <laughs> what do you want about it? <laughs> Uh, I'm a follower. He's amazing. You you won't get a better program than this. Thank you, Jody. Um, No negativity here. I know sometimes I love the negativity, but (laughs) I just let it go. (laughs) Deanna says, exactly. I don't get it. All red meat doesn't seem intuitively healthy. Exactly. It's not. It's a, it's a weird thing again. I mean, I I don't like to, I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not a dietitian. I like to use like common sense things to try and make my best decisions. And I think one thing about the meat thing and the protein thing in this culture is you have to recognize just how much money there is in selling meat, you know? And, 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 I mean, I always joke, you know, Oprah was pretty big, you know, and she still is, but she was just at the height of her empire. Um, and when, when she says, stop eating so much hamburgers, they sue the shit out of her <laughs> and she ended up settling. So it's like, it's a very, very powerful lobby that influences things on levels you can't even imagine. And so I think this idea of a lot of these diets built around meat, um, I think that there's a, a secondary gain for a lot of the people that are pushing that. Not the people you're hearing from necessarily, not like the influencer level, but on on behind the scenes, there is so much money um, in, in livestock and in processed foods. And so anyways... You know, there's very few cultures that live. There, there's very few cultures that live in ketosis. Let's just go to that one. When I say very few, I mean zero. Um, they're, they're, again, you know, you may have some Eskimos going into ketosis for a couple months a year because they're just eating whale stuff. But it, it's there's no like thriving community that's lived in ketosis. It's a diet that was started a hundred years ago for epileptics. <laughs> so again, it just if it, if it counterintuitive, you're kind of like, huh, you know. That's why I think the Mediterranean diet, the Blue Zones, if you ever read that book. Uh, there's a lot of, I think pretty obvious wisdom there, you know, that, that, that eating, I mean, geez, you know, you can, and and people I think are kind of smart sometimes I've listened to doctors. I've seen people that I I consider to be kind of smart, talk about how you shouldn't eat plants because plants have defense chemicals in them. So it's like, I'm, we're at a stage in, in history here where you can, you can literally hear anything, literally anything. And then they'll back it up with some study, you know, but, uh, again, do you really think you shouldn't eat plants? <laughs> like again, I I, I and you know you just pick who you, you pick who you're gonna pick and you ride with them. This is why I don't argue it. I've worked with people in my program that are carnivores. Do do I think that's the way? I don't, you know, but if that's what they think and that's what they want to do, great. Let me help them do it. That's what I do. I'm not a nutritionist, I'm not a dietitian. And I've seen people thrive to some degree with a lot of diets. Um I think the I, I think the case is closed. I think a carb free diet is is a strange thing to do. Um, you know, I think a heavy meat, heavy saturated fat diet, I, I would never do that, you know, but it's up to each person to decide what they want to do and, and see how you feel, you know? And so again, I, I, I would never debate someone on, on what they want to do. Cause I don't give a shit, <laughs> choose what you want to do and, uh, you know, I'll help you do it, uh, yeah. Don says, I love my slow weight loss. Every pound I celebrate, even if it takes a month to move down. Yeah, exactly. And you can get in that mindset when you stop looking at getting to the goal weight as the final phase, you know, it's not, um, because again, I love, I love as question, but how long do you want to keep the weight off for, right? And it's forever, forever. Okay. But, but when you think about weight loss, all you do is think about the weight loss. The weight loss is just a phase. You know? So I'm going to take you a couple of weeks, months, or years to lose the weight. And then you're going to at your goal weight. And then you want to live there for the rest of your life. But you never focus on that part. You do drastic things to get down to your goal weight. And then if you do even get to your goal weight, you're just woefully unprepared. You have to understand that, like again, that's why I always work to make this distinction that there's weight loss and there's weight mastery. And weight loss is all about losing weight. And weight mastery is about living at your goal weight for the rest of your life on your autopilot. You tell me which one you want. Because they're completely different. It's not. I'm not playing semantics here. It's completely different concepts. Because when you think about weight loss, the, oh, I just want to lose the weight. And so you think of it as temporary. Then you say, oh, I just want to get it over quick. How do I do that? I'd choose some extreme thing. Let me water fast. Let me cut my calories down to thousand. I can do that for a while. Yeah, for a while. But what are you going to do Ultimately and so if you keep focused on weight loss most likely where you're at is you're probably overweight and you probably just keep on cycling at best you lose some weight and then put it back on and at worst you can't even get yourself started on a diet anymore you know because you know this subconsciously so yeah the slow weight loss is wonderful because Dawn right, right when she says that She's reinforcing in her mind when she celebrates every pound, she's reinforcing. She's got a different frame that she's experiencing that pound weight loss in. And she knows, okay, that's another pound down, a pound closer to my goal to live at this goal weight. And she knows that she's looking at how she's living. She's got strategies, she's got processes in place that keep bringing her weight down. And so she, it's not the diet thing where you just feel like totally untethered and you're just doing this crazy shit just to lose weight. Um, It's a much more robust, comprehensive plan, you know? Um, Donda has a great attitude. How to deal with cravings. Yes. Good question, Shayla. So dealing with cravings is a big question. I want that to be known. Um, and so there's a lot of different ways to do it. Uh, oops. Hold on a second. Um, so cravings with everything, I think it takes kind of a comprehensive holistic approach to it. So you'd have to be way more specific with the cravings. And this is what I suggest you do, is you need to get more specific about what cravings? Your, your apple cravings? Your banana cravings? Your salad cravings? No, I know, I'm joking. But I know it's i know it's processed food cravings to some part, but what one specifically? Because even though you have processed food cravings, there's specific ones of them that are more problematic than others. There's specific times of the day or week when you're getting cravings that are more problematic than others. And so you can't just change all your cravings at once because all the cravings are unique and different. So this is a big step. I, I think in program yourself then I always encourage people to start their weight mastery plan by focusing on their worst eating habit. You know, pick the habit that you think's the worst eating habit for you and focus on that until you get a handle on it. And again, dieters don't want to do it because they want to change everything all at once and get fast results, but they they try and take on too much all at once. Again, I always use the metaphor. Because you don't even realize this, right? You you've been habituated; it seems normalized to just totally change all your eating, just in one day, and you're just gonna be able to maintain it. And it just it reveals a complete and total lack of understanding how your mind works is what it does. And dieters have no fucking clue how their mind works. Honestly, you don't know anything about mindset, and so it's like if you don't think your mind has a huge part to play in your your weight, like. I don't even know. I don't. What do you think? I would love to know. And I do know because I get dipshits on social media to tell me it's discipline. You know, what the fuck's discipline? What's discipline? Tell me. How do I become more disciplined? How do I just do it? Just do it. (laughs) Like, do you know what I mean? Just do it. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, there's got to be more advice than that. But that's what you get with the diet world. And that's why it's such a toxic thing in my mind. Because if like you don't do it, then you feel like you're the bad person. But the reality is you've never learned how to shift your mindset. Never. You wouldn't have the first... In first, like discipline's an illusion anyways, to be honest. Um, no one has a deeper granular understanding of how to create discipline. You know, it's Be more disciplined. Just be more disciplined. Don't eat carbs anymore. Well, the flip side of don't eat carbs anymore is completely change how you eat. And that's an overwhelming thing, right? That's like waking up tomorrow and say, you know what, from now on, I'm going to write with my other hand. I'm going to use my phone with my other hand. I'm going to brush my teeth with my other hand. I'm going to do everything with my other hand. I'm going use my mouse with my other hand. Oh yeah? Let me know how disciplined you are with that. Let me know it's going by 11 o'clock and you've worn through all of your willpower and now you're just fucking irritated that you got use your other hand. Let me know how it goes, you know? So again, it's just a complete lack of understanding of the granular subconscious mental processes that are driving your weight. And if you don't know about those... I mean, what are you doing? You know, you're you wondering why you're not getting results, but you keep looking for more plans. You're just looking for more people to tell you what to do. Well, that ain't the problem. You already know enough about what you should and shouldn't do to lose weight. You don't know how to get yourself to do it consistently because you don't understand your mind. You don't understand how to influence the granular things that are affecting your weight. And until you learn those, again, I, I just don't know. And I do I'm open to learning. If you have a better suggestion, I, I want to hear it. <laughs> you know, but I, I just don't see it. I spend a lot of time looking for better ideas. I'm not trying to be a trailblazer here. I started my whole career off. I just Someone just show me what to do so I can help people. And I looked around and I said, oh shit, there's no one to learn from. Literally, there's no one to learn from. Who do you learn from to help people master their weight? Who do you learn from to help people change their mindset so they can think like a thin and healthy person? Yeah, give me some names, folks. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? You've been trying to lose weight for 30 years. I ask you, who can I learn mindset, weight loss mindset from? Give me some names crazy world how could that <laughs> you know what i mean it's just a crazy world now i say this to you not to I'm, I'm not busting your chops i'm i'm saying this to make you realize that it's not you you're not the problem you're not a broken person who has a broken willpower machine inside of you or has a over addicted food machine in you it's the fact you've never learned you've never learned how to influence your mindset it ain't rocket science it's just no one's learned no I kind of created myself just, I've done I've done this for 20 years professionally. I've done almost 6,000 private weight loss sessions. So I just kind of created it because no one had it. So again, mindset for me is a specific thing. We take through six categories. So anyways, um, whoops, I'm going to get through some questions. I got caught up there. Um, OG Thrifter, I don't believe in diets. I just believe in eating lots of fruits, vegetables, and um, legumes sometimes. Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm in there too. Uh, I'm, I'm right in that ballpark. Um, hey Hazel it's pancake day in the UK today so I had three pancakes <laughs> uh, yeah well it's a valentine's day here but I that's why I got a little you know because I ate I ate a bag of donuts when I say a bag of donuts I'm talking about like a donuts you know what I mean like a, like a big one and um, my kid got it Saturday night and I plowed through them in a day and a half and uh, that, my whole throat was hurting you know that was an additional bunch of sh- other shitty food I ate so yeah it, enjoy your pancakes I like pancakes. I like pancakes. I had pancakes that day too, but um, I like them with bananas in them. I'm enjoying my banana pancakes. I ate today some sweetened cake. Firstly, felt bad, and then it reminded me of your all or something mindset shift. That's great, Lorena. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like, you can't be all or nothing. And, and I'm glad you said that because that's, that's like a, a more subtle, nuanced all or nothing, which is that. Oh, I'm going to lose weight now. And now you think, oh, I can never eat a piece of cake. I can never eat a cookie. I can never eat a potato chip. And you put yourself in this state of deprivation that just gets stronger and stronger by the day. I would say that is probably psychologically the main thing that that dooms most people to lose weight is the all-or-nothing mindset. And in their minds, they make up all these stories. They keep talking. I did this. I remember when I was a raw foodist, and I was driving to, this was the day I stopped being a raw foodist, is I was driving to work and I remember thinking, how am I going to celebrate if I get a promotion? I just started this job. I wasn't going to get a promotion anytime soon. What I'm trying to tell you is I was so obsessed with thinking about food because I was doing this raw food diet. I was so obsessed with food that I was thinking, how am I going to celebrate if I get a promotion while well, I'm driving to work? And I'm freaking out. And then I realized, holy shit, I'm, I'm thinking about food all Constantly, and so while I did feel pretty good physically on that diet, mentally and emotionally, it was absolutely not healthy for me. And I realized that was the last time I ever even tried a diet. You know, so um, I think that's what what ruins most people is that subconsciously on the diet, you're constantly telling yourself, "I can't have anything I enjoy ever again," which is a big reason why I program yourself. Then we do the five two model: five days of clean eating, two days of pleasure eating. Um, and you say, oh my God, if I have pleasure days, I'd eat everything. Yeah, that's the fucking problem. <laughs> that's what you got to fix. <laughs> Guess what, man? You don't know how to lose weight. You know, like dieters just walking around like, oh, I know what I got to do. I just got to do it. No, you have no clue what to do. You really don't know anything to do to lose weight. You don't have any clue how to lose weight. Well, because you think you'd have to stop eating carbs? What a dumbass plan. I mean, could it be any more simplistic? And you fucking believe in it? <laughs> like that's that's what I don't get. Again, I always joke around. It's like like I never played piano before. I'm not a piano, that's easy. All you gotta do is hit the right keys in the right order at the right time. Simple. I'll play any song, any song you want. No, you won't. <laughs> no, you won't. And that's kinda like what the diets are. Just stop eating carbs. Okay. Did you take into account how that's gonna show up in your life? Have you taken into account what it's like to go to birthday parties for the rest of your life and you can't eat a piece of cake? Right? If you take that into account <laughs> taking account a life never eating a piece of pizza again? Have you thought that out? I don't think you have. <laughs> so anyways, yeah. You you gotta have I think. Yeah, I, I think, you know, if, if you're living twenty twenty four in America, if your plan to lose weight is to never eat uh sugar or a carb again, uh yeah, let me know how it goes. <laughs> but that's good for you, Lorena. Uh, it felt good, yep. I love being a pescatarian. I never felt better. Yeah. I I love being a pescatarian too. I think vegetarian pescatarian is probably the way to go. Poor chickens. Nothing but chicken trucks here. Plants. So heartbreaking. Oh yeah. Yeah. In Delaware. Yep, I remember that. We, I lived down there one summer and, um, yeah, I, I didn't, I had not realized that, that it's such a big chicken, chicken place. Um, a caveman where that's like a great point Yeah, something not the caveman diet right it wasn't just one caveman <laughs> that's such a great great point right that we never think about that's what i'm trying to say like it's so often these diets are like oh paleo man oh you know what i mean I was like, oh i'm gonna eat like a human we eat the human diet eat the homo sapien diet <laughs> you know, like, well which fucking homo sapien you know it's that's like such a great point Um, paleo people ate meat once a week if they were lucky to catch some. Yeah, exactly. That too. What's up, bastard? What do you do about chocolate on Valentine's day? You eat it. You eat chocolate on Valentine's day. (laughs) You don't go, you don't eat so much. You go into a coma, but you eat some of it, you know? And it's like, again, the reason why you're overeating chocolate, you're going to overeat on Valentine. One of two things is going to happen if you're a dieter. Okay. Valentine's day is going to come and you say, I can't eat any chocolate. And then you won't eat any chocolate and then you'll finish the day and you'll be like, you're gonna be pissed off. And you're gonna say, God, what's the fucking point? What am I doing in my life? I can't even eat chocolate on Valentine's Day, and then you'll probably eat chocolate for the next three weeks. Or you will eat chocolate on Valentine's Day and say, What's the point of being alive if I can't eat chocolate on Valentine's Day? And then you'll start eating it and then you'll eat a bunch of it. That's what most dieters will do. Okay. People in program yourself then will probably have some chocolate and then go about the rest of their day. <laughs> so that's what I'd suggest. Um, eat it and enjoy. Yep, yep. Thanks, thanks. Good ones. Yep. Is there any distress and move on after you enjoy? Yeah. There you go, Don. Don knows. <laughs> they're all really good at it, right? They know what they're doing. They're all in the program, by the way. Um, how do you handle emotional eating? Uh, the way you handle emotional eating is you under you seek to understand it. Okay. You're emotional eating for a positive reason. I was always demonizing emotional eating, but that, that little behavior of emotional eating is, is subconsciously you're trying to do something positive for yourself. You're stressed out and you're using the food to feel more relaxed. You're feeling lonely and use the food to distract yourself from that. So We want to seek to understand emotionally, not just stop it. Seek to understand what emotions you're eating for. Because again, we can't just say emotional eating. You're you're doing all kinds of different emotional eating. And there's specific emotional eating patterns that are the worst ones. So start with those. And so let's just say you get home at night and now you feel lonely. Okay, I feel lonely and I'm using food to distract me from the loneliness. How do I want to feel? I'd like to feel connected. Okay, what are some ways I can feel connected? Um, I could call my, my family and talk to them. I could go join a bingo club or whatever. There's a million things. But you need to first understand, why am I emotionally eating? What emotions am I eating to feel or to not feel? And then the question is, what do I want to feel in this situation? How can I feel that without food? So I think that's a much more long-term strategy to deal with your emotionally than just trying to stop it, okay? Um, Am I wrong in trying to lose weight quickly? I get discouraged if I do it slowly. No, exactly. Of course you get discouraged if you do it slowly because you've been conditioned. You've literally been hypnotized by the diet industry to think only of fast weight loss, and anything else is just boring and discouraging. It's a trick. It's a trick. Because, again, you want to keep the weight off forever. So you want to live at your goal weight. That's the real goal when I say it. Yeah, of course, Jim. But all you want to do is lose it quickly. Well, how are you going to lose it quickly? You got to do extreme shit that's not sustainable. So it's a trap. And so I'm not saying you're wrong in trying to lose weight quickly, but I will say that if you only care about losing weight quickly, you're probably going to choose unsustainable plans that you can't keep up. So you lose weight quickly and then you'll put it on quickly, most likely. I, again, I'm not sitting here telling you that's what's going to happen, but I'm asking you what has happened in the past, you know? Um, and so what do you do though? Okay, so so I get it. I see Lorena asking, I want it quickly too, but learning to slow down. How do you, you got to shift your focus, okay? And the focus really the first thing is that you're not chasing weight loss you're chasing weight mastery that's such an important reframe because I want you to internalize you've never done this and this is why I want you to realize that you've been hypnotized by the diet industry to be overweight okay and so part of that hypnosis is they only get you to think about losing weight you don't even have a concept in your mind of living at your goal weight for the rest of your life You don't even have a concept or an idea of being able to have mastered your weight, having the mindset, the lifestyle, and the eating strategies that you customize to yourself and are clear as day of what they are and that you follow to live at your goal weight. I want you to sit with that for a second. What I'm saying is you're just like, it sounds kind of good, but I've never thought that before. You've never thought about mastering your weight. And I say mastering your weight because when I say mastering your weight, you start to take control. Weight loss is inconsistent and unpredictable in the short term. So you can do everything perfect for this week, next week, and you may not lose any weight. And so if the only thing that matters is weight loss, it's almost guaranteed you're going to get discouraged because you're never going to lose as much as you want to at some point and you're going to get frustrated. But weight mastery is on a longer time scale. And so I like to say that, um, I like to say, you know, it, I usually give like a, a plumber or accountant. If you want to become a plumber or an accountant, whether you got plumbing skills, Naturally, or accounting skills naturally. If you decided you wanted to do that, you would do it because you would consider you would do two years, three, or whatever long it takes. You would commit to it, and you would master that, and you'd become a plumber, an accountant, whatever you want to become. It's a different mindset. See, like again, with um, with with weight loss. I I was going to college. I think is a great example. When you go to college, you have this big frame, right? So I'm going to go to college for two, four, six years, eight, however long it takes to get my degree. And you're expecting, you're expecting and anticipating. It's going to be difficult. You're going to do well. You get some things you're going to get confused on and not do well on. You're expecting that, and so you're able to absorb and weather those things better. When it comes to weight loss, the second, it's like going to college and saying, "I'm going to do, I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to get my college degree as long as everything goes pretty well." And so the second you get like a bad grade or homework's confusing, you, I quit. I'm done. You know what I mean? So, so the framing of how you put around this process is so important. And so you're always framing this weight loss, and it's all about if if you have a great week, like you do all your great stuff, you eat well, you exercise, and you step on the scale and you lose a pound or you lose no weight, how, how likely is it that you're going to go on to the second week? Very unlikely because you're just you're shattered because everything depends on that scale moving. With weight mastery, what matters is the process. That's why in Program Yourself Then we have the Weight Mastery Blueprints, Mindset, Lifestyle, Eating, and you fill out, you customize and fill out these Weight Mastery Blueprints that are built for you and you keep tweaking and optimizing them. So you feel a sense of, again, I go back to like plumbing just for example, because you just learn how to do it. You suck at first and then you get better and you keep practicing and you just master it. And weight's no different, but you don't have that attitude, right? You're always just like, okay, let me see. Oh, I'm gonna give it a try. Yeah, you're gonna give it a try until something doesn't work out and you're gonna quit. That fucking attitude is gonna help you with anything in life that's hard. You've never approached your weight like as I'm gonna master this. And if you do, it brings into account the great saying that most people overestimate how much weight they can lose in a month and underestimate how much weight they can lose in a year. And so as you get obsessed with the process, I want to master my weight. I'm going to master my mindset, my lifestyle, my eating, so that it keeps me exactly the way I want to live at. Holy shit. It's a complete paradigm shift. And so I I sit in front of you as someone who's done this and helped a lot of people do it as well. So... Again, that, that's the way you do it. You got to have a, a, a big reframe on it. I always fall off track on cheat days. It always turns into two cheat weeks. Um, yeah, I get that because it's not, the cheat days are not strategic, you know? And most importantly, the most important skill of weight mastery is the ability to get back on track quickly. Again, you as a dieter, you're just a streak, you're a streak master, right? As long as, oh, day one, day two, week one, week two, it's been three weeks I've been doing this, you know? You got to let go of that shit because we're preparing forever. And so you're going to make mistakes. See, the diet is just built around you being perfect. Weight mastery is built around you not being perfect, but being able to back, get back on track quickly, which is why the core part of Program Yourself Thin, there, there's two core parts. There's the Weight Mastery Blueprints that you fill out, um, but there's also the Program Yourself Thin technique. That's the core part of the whole process. That's what it's named after. It's a two-minute hypnosis technique you use at night. It's the redo and rehearsal technique. And the redo technique is about being able to get yourself back on track quickly mistakes are your greatest teachers. You're not using them like that. You make a mistake and you're just blown way off course and see in three months, you know? So, yeah, cheat days, you have to figure out. And again, I don't even like the word cheat. You know, it's got all sorts of stuff loaded into the the phrase. Um, we use pleasure days in Program Yourself. Then, and you learn to eat for pleasure. Y'all don't know how to eat for pleasure. Again, right? Because you think pleasure is eating everything. So you learn how to eat for pleasure. The true pleasure eating is when you eat what you want to eat and you enjoy the hell out of it. But we're looking for... Not just the pleasure of eating it, but the pleasure afterwards too. So it's like when you when you eat like a whole half gallon of ice cream, do you really is that really the most pleasure? If we take into account the consequence of that, do you feel good after you binge on a bunch of food? Do you physically, mentally, emotionally that after you've done that, do you feel good? Probably not. So it's probably helpful to realize that. Burnett says I watched you are what you eat. Everyone should watch it. I don't know if I can eat chicken now. It was sure an eye opener. Um, Yeah, I I will tell you, again, one of the most powerful forms of programming is watching uh, documentaries, reading, you know, books about what the fuck you're actually eating. That's literally probably the most powerful programming you can do is actually explore what you're eating. I got some videos I'm getting ready to make all about this stuff. So, which makes me remember two things. One is if you're not in my world, make sure you go to my bio, click the link, get the hypnosis session I give you. It's free. Um, I, I got a video on there, two steps to master your weight after that. Watch that. Okay. It'll kind of reveal um, this whole system I'm talking about. It's all free. Okay. And then I email you every day. Um, there's that. And then the other thing is, what's the other thing? And I don't remember. I don't know. What was I was going to say? Oh, yeah. Watch YouTube. YouTube, I'm, I'm starting to make longer form videos on there. And uh, like I said, I'm going to put some videos um, about the foods we're eating. You know, might be helpful if you saw what they were. Uh, there's no right or wrong. It's what works best for you to live your goal weight. Exactly. Stop labeling food as a cheat. We're allowed to enjoy food. Absolutely. Um... I just had craving for apple like 10 minutes ago before you talked about cravings. Now I snack on the apples. Yeah, and watch the live. Ah, there you go. See, that's smart. Anyone who watches these lives regularly or listens to them on the podcast, you should associate it with a, an apple or a banana or something, a pear, just some fruit, something healthy, celery, carrots, whatever. Um, link it together. Okay, that, that would be a smart move to do. Good move. Um, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, hardest thing ever equals raw food diet. Yeah, raw food diet was definitely hard. I would say, but I, I learned a lot from it. Again, in life, right? You, you do things, and you either learn what to do or you learn what not to do, right? And if you take that approach, uh, I don't know, you're pretty much guaranteed success. That's why I say, like, again, a dieter, the second they make the mistake, they're just so blown off course, right? You're so black or white, so all or nothing, that the second you make the mistake, you're totally, I'm done. And it's like, how how could you get good at anything with that attitude? I I don't know how you could. Um, you got to make mistakes and learn from them in order to progress and evolve and and get better and and the weight's no different Um, you buy your own chocolate covered cherries (laughs) skibbity toilet Um, 10 billion cells take a lot of mastery 10 billion cells takes a lot of mastery yeah is that many cells we got in us it's crazy it does take a lot of mastery but isn't it worth it that's the other piece too, you know, you've been sold like as a dieter, you're constantly sold short-term fixes and easy fixes. And so, yeah, I mean like programming yourself is probably the easiest way ever that you could master your weight, but it's not, it's not easy. I mean, you got to learn stuff. You got to take action. You got to do things. You got to, you got to think gasp, <laughs> you know, but that's why programming yourself is only for certain people. Anyways, you know, it's not, it's not really for a lot of people. It's for overthinkers. It's for people that are probably on the perfectionist scale, people that are successful professionally or personally in, in their way, um, but they're struggling with the weight. So, yeah, it's really not – I would say it's not for most people, but to be completely honest, which is why uh, I, I kind of set it up the way it is. I, I, I you, know, you could go buy it from Program Yourself then, but, but pretty much the only way you can get the program is basically you got to watch the training first and see if it even fits for you. Cause if it's not for you, I I don't want to turn the program, (laughs) but um, yeah, it takes a lot of mastery, but what else is more, what's more important than this to master in your life? Has anyone got any answers? What's more important than mastering your weight and your health? I don't even know. I work with people that are multimillionaires, people made 25 grand to work with me. And so what I'm trying to tell you is that even the money, even the money doesn't cover up the, the, the weight and the health piece of life. It's the most important thing. I I believe that anyways, you know? But yeah, it's worth the the mastery for sure. What's your opinion why somebody is gaining weight and others don't get big never in life? Um, I mean, there's just a million factors for it. There really are. Um, I believe a lot of it. I believe most of it's, you know, some of it's genetic, no doubt. But as, I I love the the saying that genetics, um, genetics loads the gun and lifestyle pulls the trigger. So even if you have unhelpful genetics, it still comes down to really your mindset because your mindset controls your behaviors, you know? So it's always a, it's always a behavioral thing, ultimately. And, um, but your behaviors rely on your mindset. So there, there's just a lot of reasons why some people are, live thin and some people don't. And some of it's genetic, some of it is environmental, some of it's psychological. There's just a lot of stuff that goes into it. But I will say this, that if you've struggled with your weight, I know. I don't know you, but I know... I know for a fact. I know what I'm going to say is 100% true. No exception. You've never studied or intended or practiced how to think like a thin and healthy person. You've never learned how to think and behave like a naturally thin, healthy person. And so, until you do, you're always going to think like an overweight person who's trying to lose weight, a.k.a. a dieter. Um, Resonance says, Thank you. Perfect advice. Mastery of weight loss is the key. Hope I can follow the advice. See, that's the thing. Don't hope. Don't hope. Hope's a weak word, right? Because now you're giving up control. So it's like, again, this goes back to the college thing I was talking about. Oh, I hope I can get, I hope I can become a plumber. And you know, I hope I can become accountant. Hope I can become. Well, you're either, either going to do the work and do it or you're not. Do you know what I mean? Like, like I like that because it empowers you. You know, I hope I'm going to try. These things just imply, oh, it's not like up to you. It's always up to you. And so residents, I'll tell you, I don't know if you're not, but but again, I will tell you things that will encourage your path. The, the best thing you can do, and again, I, I'm not here to sell my program, um, but it's like, at the very least, you should go get the hypnosis session and watch the, the video I made for you. Um, that's the first thing. Kind of just goes over the whole system. Um, but then if you're even remotely serious, program yourself then, is an eight-week program that keeps you on track. It's kind of, you know, that's the difference between oh, I'm going to become a, an accountant and I'm going just going to do it on my own. I'm going to do Coursera, and I'm just going to learn everything about accounting. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. But did we not learn anything? I don't know if you, maybe you all didn't have kids in school during COVID, but there's a huge difference between when someone goes into a classroom in that environment and learns from a teacher and when someone just tries to do it on their own. So... I think investing in yourself is a huge part of the process, you know? So anyways, that hope turns into a much more belief when you, uh, when you invest in yourself and you have a plan that you're following with, you know, again, this is the problem when you're trying to do it yourself, you're just trying to figure it out, but you have no system, no framework to follow. Program yourself didn't so amazing because I mean, there's just multiple things. I know what, what gets people results. It's not drastic changes, folks. That's not what gets people results. Um, not the ultimate results you're looking for. Um, that's why my program, you know, I deliver it through the phone. Cause I know like in the morning that you're going to look at your phone. First thing, you're gonna see a message from me every day for eight weeks. And then you click on the message, and go listen to a five minute hypnosis session. Um, then you fill out your blueprints and then you use your technique at night. And so you step into this, I always call it like a weight mastery cocoon, you know, because you need support. Again, I'm not here to sell my thing. Get support from wherever you want. You know, why you wouldn't use mine? I I don't know, but but again, I'm not here to just promote this, but, um, yeah, you need something, right? You, you can't just keep doing shit the same way you've been doing that hasn't been working and expect it's going to work, right? <laughs> Treat Thomas as mm, oranges. I love oranges. Uh, you absolutely can and will, but you have to listen often. Yeah, you listen often. How do you feel about exercise? Um, I think exercise is fine, you know, for, for its own reasons, for building muscle, um, for getting your heart rate up, for cardiovascular stuff. But in terms of, of exercise for weight loss, I think it's a sketchy proposition, although it is associated with weight loss. But um, you I, I tell people when they're first starting, not to don't start with the working out, the hardcore working out, because I think that I think the problem there is that there's a thing called the licensing effect, and what happens is you start working out hard, and then you think oh worked out and burned 500 calories, I'm gonna eat that 200 calorie muffin, you know, but you really burn 200 calories and the muffin's 500 calories, so the working out has a lot of negatives that comes with it for weight loss. The first one being that if you start working out somewhat intensely, you're going to be hungrier. Um, There's a good chance you'll be sore initially uh, and you'll be tired, more tired. And those are three things that drive you to be hungrier and and make poor food choices. So again, for me, Program Yourself Den is all about really mastering your eating. Because I think mastering your eating is the real path to mastering your weight long term. Because, you know what I mean, like when you're in your 70s, you're not going to be working out so hard to, to, you know what I mean, you don't want to be relying on that. Now, again, I'm not saying don't exercise, you understand what I'm saying. Um, I think exercising is great, but in the context of weight loss, I don't think you should build your weight loss around exercising, personally. I think you should build it around eating mastery, and then it's a much longer term proposition, Um you know, and listen, you're gonna get hurt sometimes too. So it's like people that rely on the exercising, they always get hurt at some point. Everyone gets hurt at some point, and now for two months they gotta step off and now they put weight on and now they just feel destroyed. So I think the the eating mastery I broke my foot last September. Um I didn't have any shift in my weight because I I'm a master of my eating. The exercise is a part of things, but but again it's a piece of things, not the main things. Um, Azra says how to stay on track during Valentine's Day. Um, I mean it's just Valentine's it's a one day, you know, so I'm not going to say I can't throw things off, but just realize it's just a day. And I would, again, program yourself, then you would pre-plan it, right? So rehearse how you want tomorrow to go and rehearse how it goes in a midland way. Not like you going through the day and not eating any chocolate or not eating any cupcakes or whatever the, the sweets may be. Um, eat those things, but eat them somewhat moderately. Enjoy the hell out of them, but don't go crazy with them, you know? It's a good question, Azra. Nippy zippy, how's it going? Zippy's always killing it. I always get little reports from Nippy Zippy how well they're doing. Um, how do you stay consistent? That's a great question. Um, the secret to staying consistent is not willpower, right? I get a lot of people that say, "Oh, Jim, I got problems with, with I got problems with uh, consistency," as if the willpower is the problem. But I find a lot of times the problem with consistency is that people got horseshit plans they're trying to follow, right? So if you're asking me how do I stay consistent with keto? Well, I mean, how the fuck would you ever stay consistent with keto? It's a goofy. You're never gonna eat a carb again. How are you gonna stay consistent with that? It's it's just so overwhelming, and especially on day one, right? I always love like like people just eating their standard American diet, and the standard American diet, you know, where the number one calorie source in the standard American diet is for the average American, baked goods. Okay, so you eat your baked goods, and now you're saying, okay, now no more baked goods, no more carbs at all. I'm just gonna eat protein and fat that's all I'm going to eat and then you struggle with it this first second day and you have trouble being consistent well is that because you don't have willpower or is it because it's a goofy plan well that'll leave that for you to decide you know so I think a big part of your consistency is built around how you're approaching things so again with program yourself then do we change everything all at once no we work on your worst eating habit and if you got extra energy we work on your first eating habit too we we keep it strategic Again, I always say, like, it's, it's okay. Let me let me put it, frame it differently. Because you've gotten habituated to thinking about diets like a madman. <laughs> like, for real, right? Because what I'm saying is, if we do the diet approach with learning to play the piano, and say, oh, I want to play the piano. I'm real, I, I want to get the piano. I want to learn it. I want to learn it. I'm going to play 10 hours a day. I've never played before. I'm going to start playing 10 hours every day. I want to get good fast. Okay, sounds like a great plan. Play your 10 hours. Let me know how you feel tomorrow morning when you wake up. Because I know how you're going to feel. Your fingers going to be cramped. You're going to hate the piano. And so now you're going to say the second day, you're not going to play. Certainly not going to play 10 hours a day. And I'm going to say, Jesus, why can't I be consistent? Well, it's because you have a goofy fucking plan. It's a goofy plan to go from zero to 100, all or nothing. See, we always say all or nothing, but you're really out of shift it around because you're usually nothing. You're doing nothing with your eating and your weight loss. And then you go to all. So we should call it nothing and all. I'm nothing and all. I'm nothing or all. Nothing or all. That's what, how you should say it. I got a nothing or all mindset because you're mostly nothing. And then you expect you're just going to be all starting from that. So you see what I'm saying? So so again, I, again and I'm not saying you can't boost up the mindset and the willpower and all the rest of it, but y- your plan is at least half the battle. Because again, if we, if we stick with the piano thing, how do I stay consistent practicing 10 hours a day? Oh, uh, uh, you don't. You don't. You know, maybe you start 15 minutes a day and get used to that for a week and then boost it up to a half hour. You know what I mean? So again, that's how you stay consistent. You be strategic. What does cutting out sugar do to your body? Um, what cutting out sugar does to your mind is it makes you freak out and feel deprived. Like you're never going to get to enjoy um, your favorite foods ever again. Because your favorite, favorite foods, I bet, have sugar in them. So that's the first thing. I want to just stop by the mindset on our way to the body. Um, so yeah. I would imagine most of you all, your favorite food on the planet is probably has some sugar in it. If it doesn't have sugar in it, it's got flour and it's a carb, you know, Um, refined carb. So what does sugar do to your body, though? I mean, yeah, sugar is an addictive substance, you know, and it causes all kinds of problems. Yeah, Jude says so true. The mind comes first. And we gotta stop by the mind first, right? Because again, we, we that's what the diets always done. See, this is how the diets work, is they're always telling you they're like this ideal magical solution. I'm not gonna sit here and argue with you that, yeah, if you well, I think I think being ketosis is goofy, but um, I can't argue with you if you're if you're American, if you cut down on your refined carbs, if you completely cut refined carbs out of your life and completely cut sugar out of your life, that's gonna be the healthiest thing you could do for yourself. And weight-wise, it'll probably cause you to lose weight very quickly. So I wouldn't argue with that. But I, myself, live in the real world. I have spent the last 20 years doing almost 6,000 private weight loss sessions working with people in the real world. So what the weight loss industry is, 100% of it, I'm going to define it in one, with one uh, concept, is the entire weight loss industry is telling you what to do. And they're always telling you, like, this perfect plan. Huberman's like this. I love the guy, but, but it's like, it's this, this, this super intense, extreme plan that no one's going to do. But it's the best plan. And so that's why I get a lot of perfectionists. Because they're themselves, right, to being overweight for the last 30 years. And so we got to let go of the perfect stuff. We can't let the perfect be the enemy of the great, which is what a lot of people are doing. So, you know, if I'm going to lose weight, i got to completely cut out sugar. If I'm going to lose weight, i got completely cut out carbs. Oh, okay. Well, what if you cut them out by 50%? No, 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 my body, I just need to get rid of all of them. Okay, well, what happens when you cut them all out? I do it for a couple of days, and then I go back to eating all of them again. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, we're just lost in this. So yeah, so again, obviously cutting sugar out of your body would be great, but you're probably not going to do that. <clears throat> so let's get real. Again, I don't want to sit here and talk fucking fantasy land of, of like how amazing it would be for your body if you cut out all refined carbs and sugar. It'd be amazing, it'd be great. Just eat fruits, vegetables, salads, beans, all natural foods, cut out any processed foods, any sugar, any flour, there you go folks. And that's the diet industry. And I know that what I just told you means absolutely fucking nothing, because you can't do it. That's the problem folks. You're always being told what to do and you don't know how to get yourself to do it. That's the problem. So you gotta stop, it's like you gotta stop with the the perfect plan. Because the perfect plan, you're just not... I always joke, like, it's a weird thing to say, but it's like, I I don't want to be the healthiest person I can be. I There, I said it. I said it out loud. But I don't. I like to drink some wine on the weekend. I like having a beer sometimes. I like eating pizza. I like eating pasta. I like eating this shit sometimes. I don't want to be the healthiest person I can be. It's a weird thing to say. You should say it, though, because it's fucking true. There's very few people who want to be the healthiest person they can be. Very, very few people. And the people are like that we think are nuts. Okay? So, again, I know it's a weird thing to say, but it's just true. And I'm trying to tell you that because you're always thinking black and white. All the diets are selling you the perfect plan because you need the perfect plan if you're going to lose weight the fastest. I'm not going to tell you. Clearly the fastest way to lose weight would be to completely cut out sugar, carbs, um, processed food, and extra calories. So it's it's not rocket science. But you're not going to do that in any consistent way. And so you better wrap your head around the gray area. Right? you can't be a black or white thinker when it comes to your weight. All right. Um, what do you think about cutting bad foods, carbs, etc. for Lent? Um I mean, that's fine. You know, it, again, I I'm, I'm just talking about weight loss. So if you want to, you know, if you doing Ramadan, um Lent. If you're doing it for some spiritual reason or just any other reason, you're betting people, you know what I mean? Like you do the betting things like who's going to lose the most weight. That's a whole different thing that I'm talking about because I'm talking about weight mastery. And so weight mastery is you getting to your goal weight and then living the rest of your life at your goal weight on near autopilot. That's all I care about. I don't give a shit about cutting out foods for a week or for Lent or whatever. It is what it is. I think it's interesting. It's a good example of mindset. My wife was just talking to someone and they, um, they practice Ramadan. And so again, this is such a great example of the power of, of Ramadan. Um, I, have, I have a Mormon client. And so, you know, she fasts once a month, no food for 24 hours. And so there's way more context to it. There's more meaning to it. It's not just about losing weight. It's this big spiritual thing that really means a lot to them. And so they're able to do these things. So, again, I, I don't think much of it other than the fact that it's a good example of when you're congruently motivated, when you're truly motivated with something that's meaningful to you, you can do magical things. You know, so, so that's what I think about that. Um, Lou says, hi, do you know how to eliminate, like, the cravings? How to start seeing food is not so great. Um, yeah, I think, again, I think the way to, to not see food is so great is to study what's in it. I'm literally I'm reading that right now. The Dorito effect is really good, and I just finished this book. I keep keep doing it because I keep making the video on it. The ultra processed people, um, when you actually look at what you think is so great, I think it's very eye opening, and that a lot of the foods you think are so great, I mean, what you really like is the fake flavoring, the consistency, the calories, the sugar high, um, the calorie hit that you get, and so it's it's kind of an illusion. Um, but you don't believe that right now. But, it, but it's like if you study it and you see what you're actually putting in your body and the effect it has on your system. So you, you've been conditioned by the diet industry and the food industry. They're one and the same. But you've been conditioned to think of a calorie. A calorie is just a calorie. And while on a very, very technical level that is true, it's the biggest load of horseshit ever. Because a calorie of an apple versus a calorie of a cookie are two totally different things in how you experience them and you eat the apple and those calories cause you to feel satisfied and you don't wanna eat more apples. You eat the cookie and you're not satisfied, you just wanna eat more cookie. So, you know, calories are very different. But but the, again, the food companies and the diets have caused you to fixate on calories because they've disembodied that from their shitty fucking foods that they keep feeding us. And so you look at a box of Cheez-Its, which is really, again, if you take the flavoring off of that, I've the, read, there's this book, Salt, sugar, fat, and he went to the Cheez It factory and he tried Cheez-Its that had no salt on it. And he goes, It tastes like metal filings. And so if you took the flavoring off of all your favorite foods, you would quickly find that this is disgusting. Cause it's low quality food stuff. You know, that book they're talking about Pringles. And I like a Pringle as much as anyone else. But Pringles themselves went to court to try and not get taxed. They're in Britain. This was in Britain, England. They have very funny tax laws. But anyway, long story short, Pringles goes to court and say, we can't be taxed for potatoes because this shit ain't even potatoes. (laughs) So again, we're eating food stuff that is flavored to taste like things that it doesn't even taste like on top of that. Anyways, but whatever. So um, yeah, that's what I say. You can't just think the same way and then all of a sudden magically not eat things you think are so great. I control my eating not because I think like fast food is so amazing but I stop myself from eating it I have reframed how I think of fast food and this is an unusual thing to do, people do this all the time with drugs, with alcohol with any sorts of addictions cigarettes, how do they stop being addicted to those substances, a huge part of it is they, they start thinking about it differently, they start seeing the bigger picture and what it's doing to them and primarily they start seeing the consequences And if you start paying attention, the foods you think are so great, start focusing on the consequences of them. Not just the weight gain, um, but the consequences that you experience after eating them five minutes after you take your last bite. How do you feel mentally, emotionally, physically five minutes after you finish eating it? These great foods. And what you'll realize is they're not as great as you thought they were. And the illusion, again, it's it's like the Wizard of Oz. You start to realize, holy shit, I've been tricked. And we're all being tricked constantly. So... That's my answer to that one. Um, Where are you located? I'm in New York. I'm in Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Um, I ate chocolate the most. I cut it out totally, but I do have the occasional cake or biscuit. Chocolate is my red line. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. And that's what I mean. Like, again, I'm giving you general ideas here and things, but ultimately at the end of the day, you got to figure out what works for you. You're your own person. So you need to craft your plan that works for you, which is such a rare thing to think about with weight, right? Because we're just so conditioned. Oh, just tell me what to do. Oh no carbs? Okay, I'll just do that, right? And we don't even think about it, <laughs> right? You think about it. again? I think keto is the funniest fucking diet on the planet because it's the most popular one right now. Can you imagine? Jesus Christ! It's just how how can that be possible? Well, I know how part of it's possible is it's a it's a bunch of people not really thinking it through. Because how many times you know the, the average keto person? I don't even know how many times they try to do keto, but it's like I don't know. I don't want to be offensive, but is it possible that keto gives you brain damage, like specifically short-term memory loss and long-term memory loss? When you're trying a diet for the 20th, 30th, 50th time, what do you think is going to happen that 51st time that didn't happen the previous 50? (laughs) Which is just my way of saying, please fucking do something different. Can you please just do something different for me? (laughs) Can you promise me? Can you promise me you just do something different? Please don't join Weight Watchers again. I'm I'm joking. You you do what you want to do, but but just keep that in mind. The Yuka app is useful. Yuka app? I don't know that one. Let's look that up. Oh, it scans your diet and cosmetics. Oh, it's like you scan the food and it tells you kind of what's in it, right? That's great. Yeah, I think that's super. Again, I think the more you educate yourself to what you're eating, it's a journey, man. I've been on this journey for 30 years and even today. I'm still learning some stuff. that's just blowing my mind, just blowing my mind. I mean, I am telling you, it's like the Matrix. It's it's that. If you've never seen the Matrix, it's that big. The the, the food thing, it's in the in this world at this point, it's the it's Matrix level conspiracy. It's just crazy. We're not even eating food. You know what I mean? This processed stuff is not even food. Anyways. I visualize chocolate as piles of sugar. That's great, and yeah, again, the way you think about food it has everything to do with how much you're going to eat of it. Um, I used to binge on rice cakes. Per your recommendation, I bought the salt-free version, and flavored version. I can't stand them now. Yeah, so I'm trying to say, folks, you're you're being tricked. It's an illusion. The foods you're eating are an illusion. Why do you like the food you like? Because they're again, they, they lay this stuff out. It's and you don't even get a. a The only way you could really get it, you've got to start, I think, with the cigarettes because that's where this story starts is with the cigarettes. And again, we're right now with the food where we were with the cigarettes in the 1950s. The, the, The writing's on the wall. Like if you know where to look, you can see it's clear what they're doing. It's clear how harmful these things they're selling us are. Um, But they're still—we're in this phase where they're still able to fuck with us, and they're sitting on studies, they're confusing us, we're not sure what to do, and meanwhile we're eating their bullshit. There's gonna be warning labels on all these processed foods in the next 20 years, just like on the cigarettes. And by the way, the the food you're eating, the food companies and cigarette companies are the same thing. Nah, Jim, now you've gone too far. Have I? Because RJR Reynolds and Nabisco are literally merged; they're the same company. The parent company of Kraft is Philip Morris. They divested from cigarettes in the 70s and went into food and brought the exact same philosophy to create the most addictive product possible, use the most aggressive marketing they possibly could to get everyone addicted to it, and then to sit on all the signs of how bad it is for us. Weight-related issues are the second, sometimes first, depending on the year, um, cause of preventable death. So the diets, which the food companies all own, always focus you weight loss to think about how you look. Because God forbid you realize that, just like the cigarettes... The cigarette. I don't know if you're old enough to remember this. I guess I'm getting that old. I can start to say this, but um, cigarettes. Growing up for me, like you knew they weren't good for you, but you didn't know they caused cancer. It took a lot of public education to link those two things together. And the same thing is going on with food. And why wouldn't it? You're not eating real fucking food. Do you get that? This book, The Dorito Effect, is amazing. This is a great book, right up there with the ultra-processed people. Is great too. But the, how about this, right? You never think about this, I'm gonna guess, I never thought about this way. But you're not getting, like in the real world, you actually smell and flavor is a huge part of knowing what to eat. Because they call it um, post-ingestive feedback. So in the real world, you would eat something and it would make you feel better, it would make you feel worse. And now that flavor gets linked to that feeling, right? So what that leads you to do is it trains you, you build up a nutritional awareness to know what you need, right? And so you eat lots of different types of foods, lots of different nutrients going in your body. But now what's going on is it's all the same fucking food, but it all tastes different, but it's an illusion, right? So again, you know this because you get Doritos, you get potato chips, whatever your snack food is, now there's 10 million different flavors of that thing. It's all the same base compound of bullshit, potato, corn, wheat, whatever it's made out of. It's the same base, and then they just put some flavoring over it. But you're always eating the same things. And so what I'm trying to tell you in a a roundabout way is there's a great chance, if you eat a lot of processed food, that you're literally malnourished. You've got a micronutrient deficiency. Why the fuck wouldn't you? If you're not eating fresh fruits and vegetables, greens, beans regularly, why wouldn't you be micronutrient deficient? And if you're micronutrient deficient, is it any wonder that you're hungry all the time? Right? If you don't eat enough calories, what happens? Your body gets a hunger signal and you want to eat. Well, what do you think happens when you're not getting enough nutrients in your body? You get hungry and you want to eat. Do you feel like you're always hungry? Maybe it's got something to do with it. I don't know. So anyways, yeah, you get rid of the salt. It makes you think a lot differently about your food. How did you reframe your perspective on fast food? Um, You know, it's the same stuff. I mean, what is it? What are you eating? Um, I, I, I legit, I, I used to eat fast food constantly. It was practically, it was practically a holiday for me when McDonald's would do their two for, two for one chicken sandwich thing. You know, it was like Christmas part two. Um, so I ate the shit out of fast food, grew up with it, you know, loved it. Um, so how did I reframe it? Well, again, I just look at it. I, I, that's all you need to do. Um, it's hypnosis. It, it, it's an illusion. What, what's what's presented to you, you can't take it face value. You have to go deeper and look into what is that I'm putting in my body. You know, what am I putting in my body regularly? And I'm going to say never eat fast food. I don't, you know what I mean? Because I, I, I'm at that point. But... You don't know. I'm not saying you have to always get rid of it, but I'm saying just look at it. Just find out what it is. This is another great point. I, I love this. I, I forget where I read this, but they were saying what what happens, and again, this is you're you're trained to do this by the diet industry. You're trained to beat yourself up. That's again the diets, I can't say this enough. The diets are owned by the big food companies. So everything you're referencing to lose weight is would you trust McDonald's diet? Would you trust like Nestle's diet? Would you? I wouldn't. Because <laughs> I don't think they would ever put anything effective out that would hurt their bottom line. OK, but Weight Watchers is owned by Hinge. Jenny Craig's owned by Nestle, right? Slim Fast owned by the same company as Ben and Jerry's ice cream. I don't think they want you to eat less of their food personally. And so there's so much psychology about a dieter that's like, if I wanted to be an evil, um, evil being and create a diet that it's like, it seems like it's going to help people, but really it's just going to make them fucked up, <laughs> make them eat more crappy food. I would create diets because they're, they're literally, they're, they're, it's evil, but it's it's start to finish. It's it's so complete. It's such a complete framework to keep you stuck. And part of that framework is that if you don't do well in your diet, which again we just covered, it's almost impossible to just great with your diet out the gate. But if you're not, the second you make a mistake with your diet, you always blame yourself. And blaming yourself is one of the core reasons why you're stuck, because you're not able to think clearly. Because as soon as you start blaming yourself, you go into this emotional downward spiral and you don't look at things clearly and objectively. So one of the points, I forget where I read this, but what they have found is much more effective for helping people actually change their weight is to stop beating themselves up when they make mistakes and to start to see the food that they're eating as being there by a evil corporation. So again, so how, let me reframe this in a way that we've all experienced. We've gone through this with cigarettes, right? In the 50s, no one thought of the cigarettes was evil. You may not have smoked or whatever, but everyone was smoking because no one really realized how bad they were for them. We're literally in the exact same spot. This food is literally killing us, but you don't think of it that way. Just bring it home, right? It's like you think of your favorite processed foods and you don't think of like, like you imagine like some chefs in a kitchen slaving on different recipes. All these foods are made in labs now by chemists. They make ice cream flavors. Ben and Jerry's makes ice cream flavors. They put people in fMRI machines and scan their brains and they drip different solutions into their tongue to see which one lights up their pleasure centers most. This is what we're up against, you know? And so they're getting us addicted to food at this point. And it's not even food. That's the other problem. So anyways, it's... So so. how do you reframe your perspective on fast food? Is just study it. It takes not that long, because I'm telling you, you're all literally walking around in a trance, you know? When people ask me, oh, I don't think I can be hypnotized. It's like, What? (laughs) What? We all are hypnotized constantly. We have hypnotic brains. So there's no avoiding... um, (laughs) What's up, Owen? Um, There's no avoiding being hypnotized. That's just how our brain works. But you've been hypnotized by the food... Okay, let me put it this way. Every commercial you see for food is... Every commercial is a hypnosis session. The most powerful hypnosis session because it's visually and auditory. And, um, And it's repetitive. You know, you see... You watch... TV, and you see the same commercial over and over again. It's a purpose. It works. That's why they do it. Um, but so every food ad you see is hypnosis. That's why, again, people wonder why they have, oh, food noise, food noise. Where the food noise come from? It must be me. Well, no, it's, it's, you've been hypnotized since you were born to think about food constantly. So. so, once you start, it doesn't take much to realize it's all bullshit. And so that's a very powerful reframing. So the reframe is that you wake up from the bullshit. You wake up and realize, oh my God. I always think about that as addictive behaviors. It's like, I always define like addictive things we're addicted to is when something that causes us the most pain or a lot of pain we think is the most pleasurable. And I think that's where the food's at. You know, people think this food's so amazing, but if you zoom out and look at all the pain you're experiencing in your life. Now, again, I'm not saying this is everyone, but I'm saying if you're really, if you're obsessed with your weight and you're really upset with yourself that you can't lose it and that you're tired of being overweight and all the miserable feelings that causes you, um, if you zoom out and look, you'll start to realize that that food is causing you way more pain than it's giving you pleasure. You know, it's giving you little momentary blips of pleasure and you're addicted to those little momentary Spikes of pleasure, but when you look at the big picture, you zoom out and you realize, holy shit, it's really causing me more pain. And we know this because you can look at any drug addict. This is the process they go. Any alcoholic. This is the process they go through when they get clean. Every drug addict that gets clean is always the same thing. When they're caught in the moment to moment, just looking for the hit, that's all they can focus on. When at some point, though, they're able to see the bigger picture and realize the negative consequences having their life in all these areas. And that's usually the beginning of them you know getting control of it so yeah it's the same thing with the foods you know I bought sugar snap pea pods a snack and I would never have done that before hypnosis yeah that's awesome it's so great sugar I'm addicted to sugar yeah. sugar is an addictive substance it's the closest thing food wise to cocaine so yeah it's, it's an addictive thing healing resistance is the only thing that really motivated me to completely change my diet healing resistance what's that mean I don't know if that's like healing resistance or that's healing resistance. Resistance to eating better. It's hard to stop eating when you have kind of uncomfortable emotions. How do you how do you deal with that? Yeah, the emotions, I, I think the emotions at the end of the day, everyone's weight issue is an emotional eating issue, right? Because if we only eat to nourish ourselves, we would eat, nourish ourselves and be done, okay? So I'm a big believer that you have got to learn to handle your emotions. Again, you've been conditioned in this, this society to have food be your main emotional management strategy. Whether you're celebrating, whether you're dealing with bad feelings, food is the easiest way to manage them. So yeah, you got to learn how to manage them more um, genuinely and naturally. And then once you do that, it makes the whole process way easier. You know, so you're right. It is, um, but, but again, don't run away from that. Go, go towards those uncomfortable emotions. Identify them. Figure out when you feel them. Figure out what you want to feel and how you can go on that path. Um, Is your sign Capricorn? No, it is not. Um, One also needs to take careful note how one feels after eating junk versus eating healthy foods. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, again, that's that post feedback, that post eating uh, feedback, post ingestion feedback. That's been the most, that's why I always talk. That's one of the main strategies we use in Program Yourself. Then there's three phases of eating, anticipation, consumption, consequence, and Every ad, every marketing that that food companies spend is to get us focused on anticipation and consumption. This is why every food ad is the person coming to the foods coming towards you, the person eating the first couple bites of food because that's where all the pleasure is. That's what they want you to stay focused on. What I always help people do and probably the biggest mindset shift that happens with people that are successful is they shift the focus because when you're deciding, oh, what should I eat? Maybe I'll have some ice cream. You're thinking about the anticipation and consumption in your mind that's cranking up the cravings and then you try and fight against that with willpower. The mindset approach is to say, how will I feel five minutes after I finish eating that? How will I feel physically, mentally, emotionally? It's usually the mental and emotional ones that are most powerful too and most overlooked. And so if you wanna lose weight, if you're upset about your weight for all the reasons you're upset, five minutes after you eat the ice cream, the cookies, the pizza, whatever it is, how do you feel? If you start paying attention to that, what happens is next time you say, oh, I'm gonna have some ice cream, instead of just thinking about, instead of just going into a trance, as oh, getting it and eating, it's gonna be so good. So how will I feel five minutes after? Uh, I feel discouraged, I feel frustrated, I feel full, I feel bloated, I feel phlegmy. I feel frustrated that I did this again. I feel discouraged, I feel like I'm less than. All this stuff, you know, it's right there. And so, again, you got the truth on your side. It's not pleasurable. You've been tricked to think it's pleasurable in the same way that drugs are pleasurable. Right? You probably, if you're watching this, you're probably not a heroin addict. Why not? I heard it really, feels really good. You're probably not a cocaine addict. Why not? I heard it feels great when you're doing it. Why don't you do it then? Well, Jim, we got to eat. You don't have to eat that bullshit. You, you can eat normal, natural, healthy food. And you can still eat the bullshit. I like to eat bullshit, too. But I like to eat it. My, again, my question is, how can I get the most pleasure out of eating the bullshit? Well, it ain't eating it all the time. I can tell you that. You know, it's not eating it all the time and feeling like shit. It's eating it sometimes. That's kind of the sweet spot. So, um, if it swims in the sea, walks on the land, grows on the land, go for that organic. I agree. Absolutely. Um, I like the reframing of non-food stuff. No wonder why I have a problem. My diet has been mainly non-food stuff for years. I totally get that, by the way. I will say, again, I, I was kind of putting the, the raw food diet down, and I still do. I think it's too extreme. But um, it was very... I'm glad I did it because it really... It was a very drastic thing, but it really drastically created a very bright line between what real food is and what food stuff is. And, um, yeah, if you're eating a lot of processed food... You know, it's, it's like people say, like, oh, how do, how do I deal with the sugar cravings? Well, it's like a cocaine addict saying, how do I deal with the cocaine cravings? And it's the same answer for both. You got to stop doing those things, you know, or at least cut them way down, you know? And so, yeah, if you're eating a lot of processed food, the first thing you got to do is start reducing and weaning yourself out of the processed food all the time. Again, this is where the 5-2 model comes in, you know? But once you start getting some some days, you start stringing some days together, where you're not eating processed junk food primarily, then you now you're in the game because now you know what it's like. It feels like to actually be a human being, you know, listen, I'm not I'm not saying it's negative, but it's like you may have lived your whole life and not even know what it's like to feel like a human being, a human being eats human, real food. You may have been fed a diet of a lot of processed food your whole life. No shame in that. A lot of us were. There's no shame in it, but there's a recognition of it. Holy shit. And then followed by hope, excitement. How good can I feel? Holy shit. What happens if I just start putting the, the fuel my body wants in it? Now, again, you're hungry all the time. It's because you're micronutrient deficient, almost guaranteed. Yeah. Um, how do we get sober from sugars? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, that's always an interesting phrase too, you know. And I will say though that that is a challenge with the food because food's unique because it's a managed addiction. So it stands out as one of the unusual addictions, because most of the other addictions, abstinence model works great for that, okay? But food's different because you're eating these foods. So yeah, how do you get sugar, how do you get sober from sugars? Again, what I like to do is I have clean and clean days and pleasure days. And even within my clean days, I will usually eat sugar in the form of chocolate, um, but it's very it's structured, it's contained. I'm not just randomly eating sugar when I feel like it. So that's the first suggestion I would do is is carve out some space, maybe a day if you can do that. Or a chunk of the day where you're not eating sugar. Start there and then build on that is what I would suggest. Healing insulin resistance, I meant. Oh, it was the thing that motivated me. Yeah, sure, sure, right. Because you got a bigger, a bigger goal, which is a whole other thing that <laughs> you wouldn't believe this. I know you wouldn't believe this, but if you've been struggling to lose weight, I guarantee you that the first problem you have is you're not even motivated. You don't even want to lose weight. You weigh exactly what you want to weigh subconsciously. So that's why and program yourself then. We go through the mindset. That's where you start with the mindset because it's the most important piece. And the first category of mindset we go through is motivation because you're not motivated. You don't know how to motivate yourself. Your motivation comes and goes. You have no control over it. Do you know there's a science of motivation? No, but, but if you know it, it's a, probably be pretty helpful, right? But yeah, that's part of it is making this more than just about wanting to look better. You probably don't give a shit about looking better that much just to be honest. So you got to find a more meaningful reason you want to do this. And so, yeah, insulin resistance is an example of that, you know, so that's a great job because a lot of people get insulin resistance and don't give a shit. So I'm glad you were able to feel that. This is, thank you very much. You're welcome. You're welcome. Um, yep, that's so important. Help care of cravings, burn fat, plus so much more. Absolutely. Um, do you have any thoughts on uh, some glutides? Just curious. Um, yeah, I have a lot of thoughts on them. I, again, I, I, I aim to be supportive here. And so I know some people are on them um, some people might my program are on them, you know? So, so again, I think be with a supportive framing around things, uh, I think that it will help some people lose weight. And I think that it's not a permanent solution for anyone. So I think that there's other ways to handle food noise. I've been studying food noise for 30 years. The food noise is your internal dialogue, what you're saying to yourself all day. And I think learning to get control of that's going to serve you much better than taking a pill. And so I think, now I'm, I'm gonna speak specifically to, to my clientele. The people that end up working with me in my program are almost always overthinkers, perfectionists, high achiever people. And so on top of that, they typically come into the program, even if they're on Ozempic, they don't feel, they feel like they're cheating. They don't feel like they've mastered this. And they, and they haven't, you know? They're using this chemical that kinda, quiet, for, for some people, by the way, it doesn't work for everyone. Um, so they take this chemical that helps them to eat less. And so, but they know they haven't mastered things. And again, it's just one thing. And so you'll eat less food, but again, with program yourself, then it's a much more holistic approach. Again, it's the weight mastery pyramid, mindset, lifestyle eating. And so I think with a holistic approach, you get holistic benefits. You get much deeper, more profound benefits than just the weight loss. And I think this is important. Because ultimately your weight is a reflection of your mindset. And this is no greater evidence of this than people that get, um, stomach surgeries, you know, shrink your stomach down to this big. And a lot of people put the weight back on. So again, we, we got to deal with the mindset. And so a lot of people, the Ozempic, imagine being on the on Ozempic for the next 30, 40, 50 years, the rest of your life. Never mind that it's extremely expensive, but you know, it's, it's a new medicine. We don't even know what it does yet, you know, and it only helps you to eat less food. There's, there's so much more at stake. So... Um, that's my feeling on it. You know, I find that, that my type of clientele, they're not satisfied with that. They may use it even as a tool, but it's a step in the direction because it's not a solution. I heard a doctor explain it best, I thought, that Ozempic's kind of like if you're sinking in quicksand and someone throws you a shovel. That, that's kind of Ozempic. So it doesn't solve the problem. It just helps you deal with it for a little while. And so until you change your mindset, the mindset shift is the only way you can really resolve it, you know? And so I think that once you frame it that way, again, whether you want to use it in the short term or not, that's up to you. We got to realize it's just a, it's not the finish line that, that that's, it doesn't fix things. It just kind of helps you for a little bit in some ways. So that's my big thoughts on it. So I'm glad you appreciate that. All right, everyone, I got to get out of here again. If you're not in my world, go to my bio, click the link, get the hypnosis session, watch the video I made for you in the... Read the emails I send you. Uh, follow me if you don't. If you don't follow me on TikTok or Instagram, wherever the hell you might be watching me right now, follow me because I'll just pop up. And uh, who knows, one of my one of my videos might pop up and help you right right at the right moment. Uh, and then the podcast is program yourself. Then uh, it's a live podcast put up there every day, every weekday. We put a, a one up, and uh, yeah, people are liking it. So if you listen to it and like it, make sure you leave a review. That really helps me out a lot, and I would appreciate that. Um, And then if you're really serious and you want to work with me, you can go to programyourselfthin.com and you can learn about the program there and work with me. So thank you so much, everyone. I really, really appreciate all your questions. A super good day here. A lot of good stuff. So thanks so much. Have a great day and I'll talk to you soon. Bye.